Welcome to Smart Sex, Smart Love, where talking about sex goes beyond the taboo and talking about love goes beyond the honeymoon. Today, our podcast title is The Humanity of Findom Fetish, Personalities Encountered. My guest today is Master Arch, a fetish worker, pro-dom, fetish creator, death escort, and financial fetishist. Master Arch has been on the scene a long time and has been a great deal to share about sex, fetish, and sex work. Today, he'll talk about the humanity of the Findom fetish and personalities that he's encountered. Welcome, Master Arch. I'm happy to have you as a guest. Thank you. It's nice to be here, Dr. Court. Yeah, and you know, there's some words here that um, people aren't going to understand, so we can just get right into it. Is that okay? Sure. Go for it. All right. So let's just, you know, you describe yourself as a fetish worker, fetish creator. What does that mean? So most of my sex work has been in the arena of fetish. So it hasn't been prostitution. It hasn't been the traditional route. It's been more going right for the kinky people and talking to them directly. And in that, creating fetishes around things that don't really hit the conventional button. Goes beyond BDSM, goes beyond fetish, Mm -hmm. brings different fetishes to light. And I think when I started, financial domination was one of those things. People just hadn't heard about it. People didn't understand it. They didn't understand the words I was using for it. And now it's widely more accepted. I know. And people are thinking that it's a passing fad. I don't believe that, right? You've been doing this a long time. I don't, I think there might be some troubles in the future with banking, but I think that most people will understand what the fetish entails, whether or not they understand it, they can figure it out. What do you think about, there's so many people now, especially on Twitter, uh, going on just for the money. They don't really, they're doing it because they think, oh, I can tell somebody what to do and they'll pay me. I think that there's always the appeal there to make free, quick money. I think that once you get involved in it, you understand it's a lot more involved than that. Usually when I see guys that are out for the quick buck, you usually see them a couple months later saying, why don't I have any slaves? Why don't I have anybody serving me? And it's because you took the wrong approach. You did the wrong things. Mm -hmm. You know, this is where paid mentorship would really come in handy too. Mm -hmm. And older Fendoms discussing with the younger Fendoms about how to do this ethically, morally, you know, therapeutically. So can you describe what is financial domination? Financial domination takes many, many different forms. I would say, I would say that it could be simply an inferior handing a superior money as a tribute, as a sign of respect, as a sign of humility. Um, It could also be seeing that somebody is using their money for wasteful, needful things and putting them on a forced budget, um, tightening up their finances to make sure everything is in order, and then any extra, making a point of showing them how helpless they are, taking that for yourself, putting that somewhere where they can use it later. I mean, it just domination of finances Hmm. is what it is for me. Everyone has a different opinion about it. For me, that's what it entails. Either hurting your finances, because I'm an emotional sadist, I'm a financial sadist, or putting you on a budget, making sure everything's in order, making sure the rest goes to me. And just so people can understand, when you say emotional and financial sadist, this is erotic. It's not like you're a scammer or something, because people will think it's erotic. Yes. Yeah, that's really important, because otherwise people just think it's you know, non-consensual or something. No. Right. Everything's negotiated. Everything is talked about. Everything is 
communicated way before anything happens. I like to call it BDSM without rope. Uh, BDSM is a little, it's more a fetish because again, you're not getting the bondage. You're not getting right. Sadomasochism in the traditional senses, but creating fetishes around this, that's where that comes from. Yeah. And the money is really what's in the, like binding you. That's why I think of it that way. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Absolutely. The, the submission that most of these guys is giving is cash. Yes. Yes. Can you talk about um, the death fetish? You That's your creation, and what what is it? So it's a death escort, and what I found was in the last five years, a few of my friends became terminal with either cancer or a disease that would take them out of commission. So they came to me with one last request, knowing I was a sex worker, knowing I was unapologetically me. They confided in me that they were terminal and asked for one last erotic exchange, one last fetish exchange, one last something before they passed on and before it got bad. And for me, it just opened up a way of thought of like, look, there are death doulas, there are birth doulas, there are people that escort people into this world, so to speak. Why aren't there people that escort people out of this world and give those people the opportunity to have one last erotic experience before they can't? And I've found that there's a lot of people responding to this. A lot of people are coming to me and saying, this is a really good idea. So I think there is a need for it. There is a need for people to acknowledge that both the elderly and the dying are still sexual. Yeah, right. Know? Thank you. That's great. And I think that, that that's an important thing. So people understand what you're saying and doing is really granting somebody something that they're longing for. Maybe they never did it, but now that they're dying, they're like, now I want to try it. Well, and a lot of people don't talk about it either. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's just like when people say people's final wishes, it doesn't usually include being erotic with a hot straight guy, you know, like it just, they're point? not going to tell their families that it's very, it's shame filled. It's, there's a lot of releasing that goes with that as well. Yeah. Yeah. So how did you even get involved in financial domination? So the fetish of financial domination was kind of something I had in my head for a long time. And I had been involved in fetish sex work a few times before that, but it wasn't anything financial domination. Like I took tributes for what I did. And I had a customer named Al who used to pay me to do chokeholds on him. It was simply just get behind him, put him in a chokehold, choke him out, flat fee. And I loved it. I absolutely loved it. We both had a great time with it. Um, One day he brought me over to his house and he had shown me, because I talked to him about this, that he had signed me up for a Yahoo email address and signed me to the first two cash master groups on Yahoo groups. Now at that time, there were me and like five other guys. Like it was just, it was me trying to find people that wanted to pay to be ignored, people that wanted to pay tributes. I mean, it just, we were kind of like the village people with our bastardizations of masculinity where like we had a, we had an Indian, we had a leather guy, we had a skinhead. (laughs) We were all just kind of finding our feet with this and finding out where we could fill the fetish. And it just with those first few guys, like we had to come together and be like, what do we see here? We had to kind of meet our minds and put out there very explicitly what our intent was. Um, 
And we had to tell people a lot that, look, we're fetishizing ripping you off. We're fetishizing taking a tax from you. We're doing all these things erotically. And we're presenting ourselves as providers of that, but we didn't really have the clientele yet. So it mm -hmm. just, it was a matter of putting ourselves out there, what we were into and reaping the benefits from that. And I just want to keep repeating consensually ripping somebody off. So in other words, people are, are wanting and asking you, please rip me off. I want to have that experience. Right. It's play. Right, right. It is play. And I think that that was one of the things we found early on was that people just really like to play. Yeah. People just really like to open up their minds, open up their wallets that will follow, mm -hmm. you know, and although they weren't into it right away, they would come back a couple months later and be like, okay, I've warmed up to this idea. What do you see happening more? You know? So it was really hard to convince people that this is what we were into because there was really nobody to match us. Yeah. Right. And mm -hmm. I want to also clarify something because you say it's a sexual fetish, but um, people would say, what a chokehold, that's not sexual. That's not sex. So can you explain that? I think that for most fetishists, an act or a piece of clothing or something, that's their sex. You know, we have to take away this idea of penis and vagina or penis and anus or whatever it is that you're having as conventional sex and understanding that someone with a fetish, your feet are the sex, the money is the sex, the, yes. the act, the leather, the whatever is the sex, you know? So however erotically charged or however sexual it may be for them as a practitioner, I can present my feet and be okay with a guy licking my feet and not have any sexual exchange between us. Right. And him walking away satisfied, fulfilled, satiated the same way someone would that just had sex. And he may or may not be masturbating. No, no. Yeah. Nine times out of 10, I don't require and don't allow that in session. Okay. See, I think it boggles people's minds. You know, they think, well, what, well, then what is it? But it's still fulfilling, just like you said. Right, right, right. I just uh, worked with a couple and his wife, he just discovered his wife was online with some guy talking to a man about spanking, right? And um, uh, he said, well, I, and then they talked about, well, I don't really want to do that, he said. And then she said, well, could I meet the man? And he was like, well, I don't want it to turn into sex. And I had to say this exact same thing to him. For many people, the spanking is the sex and it may right. never turn into PIV, penis and vagina at all. Right. And it may be that he may go get spanked and then come home and have sex with his wife. And that's the best sex they're ever going to have. Yes. Right. Right. So a lot of people would call that foreplay, but it's not. It's sex for these people. Right. Um, so you also, now that you talked about having male, um, do you ident self-identify as, I know you don't like labels, so tell your joke. I liked your joke. <laughs> well, labels for me, I mean, it just, at the start of it, I really, really think that there were a lot of people that wanted the straight guy label and the label around straight acting, uh, straight, masculine, sadist, dom. I never really cared too much about the sexual aspect of this because I'm into women. Mm -hmm. It turned me on mentally to do this with guys, but not physically. And I think being straight put me at the advantage because I could think unhindered by sexual attraction and really focus on the actions and mental fucking I was doing. 
the gay male elders in old guard had a real problem with the fact that I was a straight guy playing with gay men. Why? I find it, it just because it didn't fit their mold. Like it was totally okay to fetishize a straight guy, but it wasn't okay to hook up with a straight guy and not have sex with him. Yeah. You know, there was a lot of talk about, Oh, you're exploiting these people. You're taking money from sick people and you're pushing gay men back in the closet. But it was really providing people an outlet for fetishes that didn't fit in the dungeon that the old guard had this sense of when you read Greg McManus's urban aboriginals, it's piercing, pissing. I mean, there's just such conventional SM that this didn't fit into, but it still was power exchange. It was still, Mm. you know, fit into fetish, but the straight aspect of it and the fact that I wouldn't have sex with these guys that was the thing they had the most trouble with was just that I wasn't having sex with these guys and I wouldn't pick a label at the end of the day, Joe, the only label I want on me is the Gucci. Cause yeah, it's, just, yeah. it, it, it's not, it's not something that binds me. I don't want to be bound by that. I want to be who I want to be. And I want to meet people that want to be who they want to be without label, without any of that. Yeah, you've been doing this a long time, um, and things have changed. And I like how you went against the old guard of whomever the, the the people are and who don't understand. And you stood up and said, "No, this is how it's going to be. This is what I do, and I'm finding people that enjoy this." I've had to defend myself numerous times for this mm-hmm. through many different leather communities and many different organizations. I think now the marginalization of it, I don't really go back and be like, Hey, what do you think of that now? You know, kind of rub it in their face a little, but I kind of feel like it. Cause it's just like, I don't think anybody thought it would be this big. I don't right. think anybody thought it would be this lucrative. I don't think anybody would be this, you know, expansive. Well, but, I think it was so hard to find in the beginning, right? Because the social media is allowed. Possible. We were using AOL chat rooms and Yahoo groups that we were just kind of hoping that people would understand us. Yeah. You know, yeah. it just, we had very little words around things, but we had to be perfectly clear with our intent with people. We had to be explicitly clear with what we were going to do to people within this fetish before yeah. we actually did anything. I like it. I, I just feel like money is a fetishized anyways, in so many ways in marriages and relationships and exchanges between friends. So, I mean, things, so you just, you're just uh, making it overt between people and it's right. part of the sexual erotic template. Well, and I think too, from what I've learned from working in the gay arena as a straight guy is that gay men can fetishize just about anything. Yeah. So it yes. just, learning that and teaching that to straight people and saying that it's okay to have fetishes around feet. It's okay to have fetishes around money. It's, you know, come to terms with who you are. Right. Right. And we're looking as therapists, sex therapists, research is showing this is people's identity. This isn't Mm -hmm. always just some like, Oh, I just want to do this and dabble into it. For some people it's who they are. Would you say this is who you are on the Finn Dom side? I think that who I am as a person is a multifaceted individual that fetish worker is just one part of that. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't say it defines who I am by any means. It's okay. just more along the lines of this is how I chose to make my money for all these years. I've got in a little bit deeper than I wanted to in understanding people's kinks and fetishes. And I'm okay with that. I think more 
an identity I would choose is just kinky, just, you know, all around accepting of every fetish, every kink, every, everything anybody would come with. Yeah, I pride myself on being non-judgmental in that arena. Yeah, I know. And it's, it comes across just talking to you. You talked earlier about being an emotional masochist. You, you'll meet with people like that. What's it, what is that? So in the early days, I'm, I'm more of an erotic emotional sadist. And that just means that I like hurting people's feelings. And in the beginning, I attracted a lot of guys that wanted to play with and eroticize shame, guilt, fear, etc. It took a short time to recognize that their masochism was sometimes not only physical, but sometimes it was purely emotional. And I had learned this mentality working with cuckolds and wanting their partners to openly cheat and rub it in their faces. Mm -hmm. I do believe that cuckolds and cash slaves are kind of cut from the same cloth, but as it is very emotionally charged play and faces very heavy feelings Mm -hmm. that someone might otherwise have to go to therapy and face Mm -hmm. um, this type of BDSM is not a replacement for therapy, but it certainly unlocks things in the same way. And I openly enjoy these taboo thoughts and help eroticize them for the people that has their sexually heavily linked to them. Oh, I love what you're saying. I, I'm a, uh, I do a Mago relationship therapy. It's all about healing takes place in the context of a emotional and romantic relationship, but healing can also take place in a sexual relationship with somebody. And that's what you're talking about. Right. Right. And I think once someone comes to terms with the fact that it's the shame, it's the guilt that's turning them on, that's a major step. That's a major step and it can either be seen as productive as now I can move forward or kind of unproductive of, oh man, who am I going to find to fulfill this with? Like there's just this sense of like, once you know what you're into, the freeing nature of that and then the isolating nature of that, of finding partners and people to do that weird fucked up thing with. Yeah. It really, you're really like a sex therapist in some ways, you know? Thank you. I mean, I feel like I've gotten an education through what I do 100% in gender and sexuality, both. What would you say is your most memorable client? (laughs) I think that every client I see is memorable. I I don't want to pick favorites, but I think there are some names that I'm going to drop that just, these are the people that really like, yeah, just stood out for one reason or another. If I could just give shout outs at well, this wait, point. Well, wait, not the real names, right? No, this is right. this is all, <laughs> these are all monikers. Right, the okay. people I would like to give my shout outs to are Latex Lori, Pointy, Ralphie, Panda, Spider, Trash Pussy, and Rock God. And I just got to say, if you know, you know, but those are the ones that really just, yeah. What are the elements though? Like what, what is it? You don't have to be specific, but like, what was it that you're like, yeah, I really got something from that. I mean, I think that everybody kind of has their own little uh, superpower, so to speak. It just, these are people that really just put it out there as just above and beyond like, Wow. Wow. There's one, I'm not going to say which one, but there's one of those people that I just mentioned that they wanted to be suffocated. You know, the craft singles, craft cheese, they wanted to be suffocated with the cheese film. Just, just the cheese 
plastic. Okay. That was how specific they wanted their suffocation. Yeah. So I just, anybody who can narrow it down that implicitly has a special place in my heart for yeah. sure. All right. So that fascinates you more. I, I, I love, I love the weird. I love the unusual. I love the twists and turns that it can take. And I love being able to provide that for someone. This is why I like having you on. I've had other financial doms, fin doms on. I've had a woman on that. Um, I had a porn star on, Miles Stryker. And um, I just want to humanize you. I want people to hear this. And, and you know, because it's easy to go, oh, I'm having a disgust response. And what's wrong with that person? And hear these words you're using. And I want them to listen, if they're willing to listen to you and just understand you're working with people that want this and like this. And you, you like it too. It's not like you're just phoning it in. Right. Right. And I just, I think that being clear with what you want on both ends is definitely, definitely a plus. I think that there's a major advantage to being able to clearly identify what it is that you want to get out of the scene, uh, the pitfalls they could encounter during the scene. I mean, it just communication is key. Yeah. What do you think? And what do you think the future looks like for you and your profession? It's hard to say what the future is going to look like because, you know, it's already evolved so much in the current arena. Like the fetish of giving money to a superior has been around longer than me and you. And I think it will always be there to some degree. Um, But I think that now issues with banking, I think issues with MasterCard, those are going to be the things that are going to hold people up in the future. I think that, However kinky people might be, there is that aspect of beyond the reality. I mean, there's certain fetishes like vor and just weird stuff that you can't do this in person. Yeah. I don't know how familiar you are with vor, but it's someone who's being swallowed by like a snake-like creature. And it's just like, how do you do that? How do you feel that? Yeah. You know, and that's the challenge that most people are going to have to face. And I find it exciting to work around the things to still fulfill the fetishes and still get those things met. So hard to say where the future is going to hold because again, banking and institutions just do not want to do business with sex workers. Right. Right. And then the taxing and because there's a whole bunch of stuff to probably think about. Well, pay your taxes. I mean, for sure. I mean, it, the people that are going to make this fetish look good are the people that are representing it by paying their taxes, doing this ethically, doing this yes. therapeutically, you know, like yes. there are certain things that if you're going to do this, you have to do these other things with it. It is very important. Well, here's what I love about you um, is that you do this with integrity. You know, everything we're talking about is done with integrity. It's not done on the fly. Well, it's a fetish that's been demonized consistently through my career and However, I choose to express myself in this. You have to have integrity. You have to have some sense of know-how because, you know, otherwise you're an amateur. Yeah. Otherwise, you there are problems that you encounter. And I think that I'm kind of the person that's done it all and can talk to people about ways to do it differently, ways to do it ethically, ways to do it therapeutically. You know, like, yeah. it just... So how can people find you? Uh, on Night Flirt, uh, Master Arch. Wait, oh, on- what is Night Flirt so people know? They don't, don't know what that is. Night Flirt is 
a service that allows you to interact with me, pay to view, pay to talk. I use right. it primarily for consulting. I talk to people in there, use that as the deposit. Okay, Nightflirt is, I think it's N-I-T-E-F-L-I-R-T.com or something. Correct. Yeah. And it just gives us an avenue to talk to each other where I feel like I'm being reimbursed, where you feel like you're being listened to. Um, I also have Twitter, all for Arch on Twitter, and I have my website, allformasterarch.com. And we'll definitely put that all on the website too when this goes up. Okay. I really want to thank you. Would you want to say any last words before we um, come to an end? No, I th thank you for the time and just the opportunity to talk about something I feel very strongly about and really feel that more people could benefit talking about and not necessarily financial, but just fetish in general and just what it is that turns them on. I think that's always a good conversation to have unabashedly with somebody. Yeah, me too. Thank you so much for being here. I really mean it, Mr. Arch, and um, for joining me on Smart Sex, Smart Love. And for those of you that are listening, I hope you enjoyed it. And you can hear more of my podcasts at SmartSexSmartLove.com. And you can also follow me on Twitter, TikTok, Instagram, and Facebook. You just go to all of those and find at Dr. Joe Court, D-R-J-O-E-K-O-R-T. And then I have a website, JoeCourt.com. Thanks for listening, everyone. Stay safe, stay healthy, and we'll see you next time.